This episode is brought to you by the Homer and Mildred S. Scott Foundation. You can contact the Homer and Mildred Scott Foundation at jenny.craft at scottfoundation.org. And welcome back in all you Wyoming knuckleheads. This is another episode of Go BYO. I'm your host, Aaron Gray. I have Carter Wells from DYT running the cameras. And uh, our special guests today are from the Homer and Mildred Scott Foundation and Scott Foundations, because we were just talking about that. Um, but we have on my on the far right, we've got Jenny Kraft, executive director, um, been there for 11 years. And then to her right is chairwoman of the board, Erin Waddell. So Erin and Jenny, thanks for coming by today. Thank you for inviting Great. us. We're excited uh, to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to learn a little bit about the foundation. You know, I'll uh, being from Sheridan, I think uh, I've definitely benefited from the foundation. So I need to know what's the history of it, how did it come about, and uh, what else you guys have going on. So I'm super excited about this. So history. I'm thinking I should have studied <laughs> up a little bit more uh, this morning. So it'll be interesting as we maybe piece together the backstory sure. of Homer and Mildred. Do you yeah. want to start, Erin, or? Nope. Nope. <laughs> okay. Well, you so take it away. <laughs> so my understanding, my interpretation, um, Homer and Mildred uh, met in the early, mid-1900s and eventually found their way to Sheridan, Wyoming. Homer worked for the Kiewit Foundation, so traveled quite a bit in the area, built a lot of roads um, through through our state and really fell in love with the landscape of Sheridan County and landed. Um, this is a, a story. I don't know if it's true or folklore, Aaron, but when Homer couldn't purchase any more Kiewit stock, I mean, he was a great businessman, good business mind, uh, investing for the future for his family, he started investing in land. So he started purchasing um, plots of land out in Tongue River Valley, which now today is the Padlock Ranch, which is a huge legacy also for the Scott family uh, and really solidified their roots being here where they raised many of their children, though some went away to boarding school or had different educational experiences. That some were sent away. <laughs> there is that story. No too. comment, but yeah, like, yeah, which uncle was sent away. <laughs> uh, so as Homer continued to work and travel, I think Mildred um, made her roots here in Sheridan County and they lived out in the Tongue River Valley and also in Sheridan and uh, gosh, I'm trying to think what year he bought the first bank. So he bought Bank of Commerce okay. um, in Sheridan on Main Street, just a little tiny bank. I can't remember. I want to say it was the mid-60s, 1960s, 1970s. We Again, we'll do some fact-checking. Maybe there can be some sub-notes to this yeah. uh, podcast. <laughs> some links there, yes. And that's where he started um, with First Interstate, which then became First Interstate, First Interstate Bank, gotcha. which um, now has grown to be a huge corporation encompassing like seven or ten states up in the upper northwest, um, uh, but was able to generate some wealth through um, owning the bank and just, again, a sound businessman and in the 1980s is when his trust document was written. So he knew uh, early on that he wanted to be a philanthropist, was an active, living, engaged philanthropist as well, gave a lot to the Sheridan community and his alma mater schools, um, but wrote a trust document so that he would leave um, funds behind to support this community. And the, the mission statement or the focus really is investing in people to make Sheridan a great place to live and work. 
and he just really saw um, providing opportunities for young people. Um, he notes religious, educational, and character building opportunities in his trust document and wanting to afford opportunities that just create and help cultivate Sheridan to be the great community it is today. Yeah, one of the best examples, if you go down to the YMCA, um, Homer and Mildred Scott helped build that Y, and if you travel throughout the United States, you won't find a better YMCA. Mm. And that's in great part, in part to um, Homer and his, his, his friends that put in um, their own personal money to, to build that why. And so um, the Roberts family, so there's, um, there's a great picture of, um, anyway, like when you were talking about history and legacy. And so now the grandchildren of those initial um, funders are now they themselves giving back to this community. So there's a picture of uh, John Heineman and Haley Roberts, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Who, who are continuing to build the pool. So the very original pools, those, those are being converted. And so that, um, so I think that's really fantastic. It's just one example of um, uh, Homer and Mildred's um, vision and supportive community um, because uh, Homer himself benefited from the YMCA when he, uh, uh, years and years, when he was a young man. Could, I, I, this is, again, could be a folk, could be a story, but um, this is what Susan uh, Scott Heineman, who's my mother-in-law, ha- has told me, but um, needed a place to stay. And so the Y was a safe place. Um, you know, it's a Christian, right? Yeah, young men's um, Christian association, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, so anyway, it's, it's, and so he's, he um, invested in it heavily. Um, so that's just a, a great example. And that still lives on the, his foundation. Well, their, excuse me, their foundation, you know, has, for years supported the YMCA and, and that's, so that's, I don't know how many years that stretches out, but it's pretty, pretty special. Yeah. That's awesome. No, that's a great story and that's okay if it's a story, but he needed help and needed a place to stay and the YMCA was there for him. So that's wonderful that he gave back to something that helped him get through it. Um, so in his trust document, we were talking about this, I think YMCA sounds like was definitely on his list. What were the other two items that he specifically wrote out that needed to be addressed. The other two, he worked with the Salvation Army. Mm. And again, in the 70s and 80s, it had maybe a different focus as it's evolved as an organization now in our community. But we continue to support, the the Scott Foundation continues to support our local Salvation Salvation Army. Army. And again, just making sure opportunities are available for people to achieve more or achieve their own uh, goals in life and, and have a sustainable way of living. And then also the Children's Center. He, yeah. uh, he got connected early to Janet and Scotty Scott. So, well, Scotty, his son, so Homer Jr. And they were very passionate about um, having child care opportunities for um, Sheridan County Absolutely. working families. And he, I, we laugh, there's a lot of stories there too. Um, he and Janet Scott were sort of the uh, de facto supervisors in building the Children's Center, where it exists today on Highland Hill, up at the top, um, uh, Homer Sr. Uh, apply, uh, 
awarded some funds and worked with that organization. Janet was on the board and she'd go every day, you know, and talk to the crew and make sure they were, because we they were on a timeline, you know, we've got to get this building built. And so there are rooms um, at the center today still named after Homer Scott. And uh, he was an, an, uh, the early um, supporter to help make that come to fruition for our community. And, and back to the why, you know, he also took boxing lessons. So there's a little athletic lineage through the Scott sure. family. Mm-hmm. And uh, Homer Sr. took boxing lessons at the Y, and they have some photos of it. And that was always an important thing for him, for people to be fit. Sure. Uh, and so he, again, I think the Y's anniversary is 1964. So it was in the early 60s. He, um, he again, with a group of local businessmen and investors and uh, nonprofit work, they, he, basically brought the idea to Sheridan and said, we need to start a YMCA. So they rented a building and, and then set to work in build in building at their current site on Jefferson street. So he was, he's a philanthropist of action mm-hmm. and activity and then heavily has invested in, in many things in the community. And I would just uh, dovetail in, um, uh, Susan would want me to talk about Mildred a little bit. Mildred, um, uh, Scott was a, she loved music, so it's not in the trust document, but the, the YO Theater, uh, we have a long history of giving to the YO for the children's programming and um, have honored Mildred Scott especially about um, music, the performing arts. Um, there are uh, grandchildren and great-grandchildren who have been heavily involved in music. Um, uh, Susan Baker um, loved the YO um, and her daughter uh, Brecken mm-hmm. is has always been involved in, in music and performance and so it's not in the trust document but that's another wonderful thing about sort of um, the legacy and where we we have we have given um, so I just I would give a shout out to that there there still is a, a grand piano out at the padlock ranch that um, Mildred had um, had brought there and um, we we in to honor her we, we have it tuned so it's still it's still in the um, the house out there so it's anyway music too mm-hmm. not just um I don't, sports or whatever i just think music and art is important to right. mildred the arts yeah, yeah absolutely well and let's dive into this a little bit that's very i think um having so many different nonprofits in and then maybe people that have moved here like we had uh, film producer bruce moriarty and i asked him like why did you like this place and a lot of the answers are people. And I know it's a very, you know, people that are from here were like, oh, okay. You know, that's a very uh, cliche thing to say. But I think there's a reason for that. And I feel like the Scott Foundation being out here for so long and he's forward thinking of, you know, child development, the YMCA, um, you know, from the 60s. Uh, talk about the process of, you know, that's obviously changed. You know, the Salvation Army has changed as an organization. And, um, but, his vision was people and sustainability and youth. I think that's a big uh, thing. That's a talk right now about like, how do we keep our youth here? or How do we prepare our youth? So what's that process been like throughout the, f- the family, you know, different generations running these foundations and just, um, Aaron, what's your question? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just giving you What a is hard the time. question? That's good. Uh, no, I'm, I'm just listening and thinking of your initial comment about, you know, is it cheesy or cliche about it's the people? I strongly believe it is the people. Mm-hmm. And that is what makes Sheridan such a great place to live because people really do engage. 
they give back, they get involved, they care about this space, about the landscape, and also about each other. And I think that's just part of the Scott family. For, for me, having worked with them and for them for over a decade, um, previous to the Scott Foundation, I worked for the Center for a Vital Community, which was started by the Scott family. So several members of the Scott family then worked with the foundation to support um, the initial funding required with Sheridan College to create this organization whose sole goal is engaging citizens. I mean, that's it. They, that's what they program is citizen development, leadership, capacity building, nonprofit support. Um, so yeah, he saw a great, and I, again, I think many of the Scots still today see a great value in investing in the people mm -hmm. so that people then can, there's a ripple effect. It carries forward, whether it's creative arts, whether it's a cattle ranch, a coal mine, uh, a sporting team, you know, education, teacher, professionals, um, business, banking, you know, they just invest in people to enhance quality of life. And then all of these nice supports come around it. And I just think that's really a value and a thread for the family that's important, no matter where they live. And you see that in other pockets where yeah. where they reside and just the Homer and Mildred Scott Foundation, our focus is Sheridan County. So most we're, we're broad in what we can fund and where we partner, just concentrated geographically to this space. And I would love to um, dive into that a little deeper. You were talking about what Bruce said about Sheridan and the people. I would add that um, I, John and I lived in Bozeman uh, when he was going to graduate school, and, <clears throat> and we still have a lot of really good friends there. They come here and they... Um, visit us you know often they're shocked so here's some examples they're like why don't we don't have a why like this so that's number one so the pathways the sheridan county land trust all of the incredible work that they're doing throughout sheridan county so that everybody can have access to trails right out their back door that's their mission and um, of course homer and mildred scott foundation we support them and that trail system it was a partnership between the city of sheridan right initially so um and partnering with public and private monies with with you know support of these nonprofits so i think it's incredible that you can go from sheridan Col college all the way to um, north main um, basically avoiding traffic and the pathways are they're built wide and beautiful and there's places where you can stop and reflect so that means if you're 95 or you know, five months old and you're in your um your, your you see moms in their joggers and bike people biking. Um, I just think that's that's unbelievable for a small town. And mm -hmm. our, our friends from Bozeman, like, we don't have anything like this because there's not that public-private partnership. Right. And, um, you know, again, uh, I, the city of Sheridan donated $4 million for that that pool project, which was, you know, $18.7 and And all of us pooling our resources for the the greater good instead of that, that concept of, well, I've got mine and good luck. Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, I just I think that's I just it, it's just incredible. Some of these things where we have partnered and been collaborative as a whole and not worrying about, well, I'm not going to I'm not going to give because um, there's there's this fear of limited resources. And uh, so that's it's it's really rare. And and um, I would say that it's people, but it's also relationship building. Um, uh, I would uh, really want to champion and, and support Jenny in the way that, um, she goes out. She's, she's, she's our 
our the face of our foundation, and she's constantly meeting with people, having conversations, reaching out. We talk about being conveners, so gra- conveners and dreamers. So one thing a foundation can do is that um, – you know, we can take bigger risks because we are, we're not worried about the, the bottom line. You know, we, we've been entrusted with these public funds um, and we're very, very careful uh, um, and, and do the homework and the research to where we do, you know, where we do invest. Um, but we're, it's not like we are running a nonprofit where you are scrambling or running a for-profit, you know, which you are, you know, so, so. Yeah we can take and dream a little bit bigger and then make those connections, which take time, right? Relationship building takes a long, long time. And, and I would say our foundation is really, really good about building these relationships and then making this place an incredible place, place where people want to be. I would say it's an economic driver. So people often say, you know, you think of nonprofits as, as sidelines. And I wish I had the number off the top of my head. Um, uh, Jill Benson, who's the new executive director of the Sage Community Arts Center, mm-hmm. she has some great, great um, data points um, about the the economy of nonprofits, especially around the arts. But I would say, too, when people move here, they're like, "Wow, I love the trail system," or "Wow, I love you know all of these things." And you know, the school district, I love the school district. Well, great things are happening in this school. Um, because of nonprofits, right? So the Homer Mildred Scott Foundation, and I'm going on a tangent, I know, but um, we were one of, and it's been, uh, Kassan would tell me it's been seven years, that um, we have supported the Parent Liaison Program, which is a uh, completely privately funded um, program um, that they uh, they work for Compass Center for Families, but they're privately funded to help pub- the public schools, right? It's amazing. So they, they build relationships with all families, but especially families in need. And, um, and it's so nice to have a voice where parents can be heard and supported without being afraid, being terrified by the administration or a principal. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm actually on the school board. So don't, (laughs) so I love, I love Sheridan um, County school district number two, but that's another example about people wanting to raise their kiddos here because there's all this great support you know Mm -hmm. big brother big sisters is actually the office is inside the high school again a a non-profit um you know so these private dollars inside a public space so um i just think all of that relationship building and being collaborative it really works well here and you you go to other places throughout the west that are that are you know beautiful great places to live like bozeman but there just is not that collaboration sure can you tell we're not passionate about this stuff? <laughs> right, <at all>? yeah. <laughs> so it's boring. like, I, it's yeah. so boring. <laughs> and that was great. I didn't have a question, but that's what I wanted right there. So that was awesome. Um, I'll give you one other example because I think it's a fun, very tangible example of that collaboration she's speaking of. Um, so I don't know what to call it, but the North Main Interchange, yeah. the, um, the pathway that's there currently. Mm-hmm. So that was owned by a private landowner who was a time came available that he was ready to sell it, could sell it for huge development, could have put another fast food restaurant out there. Um, But there was some vision from local um, nonprofits and from the community of extending the pathway and thinking uh, potentially down the road, a school could be out that direction. Well, they didn't have the funds to buy from the private individual. So the Homer and Mildred Scott Foundation actually purchased the property worked with the Sheridan Community Land Trust 
who raised other funds um, from other foundations and local people to put a conservation easement on the property. And then we gave it back to the, um, they bought it back from the Scott Foundation at a slightly lower rate because we had put our investment into it as well. And it was a grant, a charitable uh, distribution to them. And then they ultimately sold it to the city. And so it's extended the pathway all the way out there. And it happened in about 18 months time, maybe a little under two years, but couldn't have happened if there wasn't foundation dollars to purchase it, hold it, resell, develop the pathway. It's yeah. just a great example of we were part of that. No one would probably know, but we were part of that. And it took a lot of work behind the scenes to all the details of making that happen. But I ride that pathway on my bike all the time. It's beautiful. It's an extension. And you see future growth happening out there now. So it's going to be a real benefit for years to come. Wonderful. That's a park. There's yeah. the Malcolm Wallet Park yes. that was dedicated. And so, yeah, we were part of that. And it's... um. And everybody benefits, not just like, you know, could have, it could have been, yeah. Yeah, wonderful. We've had the land yeah. trust in, well, in studio twice. I went to their office way back when with some crappy stuff, but that was, anyways, <laughs> love Brad and Chris. Um, that's wonderful. I didn't know the Scott Foundation was a part of that Wallet Park and that trail system out there. Um, what are some other big successes that you guys have been a part of of late? So we are um, really really pleased that we had the opportunity to buy the entire NSI campus. Um, it, it's a, it's a bold move. It's really a bold move for a foundation. Um, and we are just at the beginning stages of, of, of figuring out our vision and mission. And, um, as we've learned the the buzzword, a lot of it depends. It, a lot, a lot of things depend on, um, it's just, um, for me, uh, I've, uh, I, I've, walked the land. It's a beautiful, beautiful, um, place. And, uh, I don't know what we will do, but, um, the idea that we are, we are holding it for hopefully many, many people to benefit, um, living, uh, being, working, playing, uh, growing things out there. Um, uh, I know there, there could have been, um, people who come in and purchased it, purchased it for, uh, you know, let's just say the hook and bullet crowd and scrape all of the dorms out there and just build, I don't know, three starter castles. And that would benefit three people. Um, uh, our hope would, this, this potentially would benefit many, mm. um, because it's so beautiful and, um, it's only three minutes from downtown from the bank, from first interstate bank. Uh, so I, I'm really, really excited about it. Um, there's lots and lots of work out there, um, to do just to, just to, even just care for it or winterize the buildings that are out there. It, they need some loving. Um, but it's, it's a huge pot, um, potential um, for us. And, and uh, you know, these opportunities don't come along yeah. um, very often. That particular property, you know, it's a once-in-a-lifetime um, chance. And I, I would want to thank every trustee who voted. We were unanimous in the purchase. Again, really rare, really rare to – to think about where we were in the process of thinking about owning it and then moving that in a pretty short amount of time to, to actually um, closing on the land. That's fantastic. How big is that property again? It's pretty massive. 229 acres. Yeah. And you, I don't know what stage either of you are in life of buying a home, if you've bought your first home. Uh, we've just bought 
seven dormitories, a gymnasium, <laughs> a cafeteria with a commercial kitchen, a shop, several outbuildings. I'm like, wow, there mm-hmm. and and 200 plus acres. Yeah. Um, a there's farm, a, a barn. There's a farm in the back. <laughs> there, <laughs> a lot was, of opportunities yeah, here. There, yeah. The opportunities are, the list is too long, frankly, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that will be the work of the trustees, I think, in the next few months to prioritize, to listen to community partners, to think about best benefit, greatest impact. We, we I'm saying the foundation, we can't do everything. We can't do it all, but right. to find that focal one or two that we believe we could again have long-term impact and opportunities for many many people for years to come because when you go out there and walk and be fun you know i'm like welcome everybody come out but please no don't actually (laughs) we have have chains (laughs) but um it is a beautiful piece of property and it just makes you feel like you're in wyoming you're right by some little foothills and there's a river that runs through it and you know when the the leaves were turning this fall that certainly there's some maintenance and some um, sustainability practices that will need to help enhance and maintain the land but it's just gorgeous and to think about kids and families and people of all ages maybe being able to have recreation or educational opportunities that's exciting for us yeah or even crazy things. Again, this is just dreaming. You know, I, I um, yeah. Give me I, your five year to ten year well, dream of this. <laughs> okay, now you're just asking Aaron. Yes, that's yeah, okay. this is so <laughs> no, just no, no. And, yes, this, yeah. Um, but just just thinking about, for example, um, John and I are both from ranching families, um, generations of ranching families. Actually, my grandparents ranched, and my parents, and and that's where where I was raised. Same with John, um, and this is just you know, again, this is just one idea and it's nothing is, is written, but think about a kiddo who, um, uh, maybe has always wanted to raise a a 4-H steer or a 4-H pig or a 4-H goat, and they don't have the, the land or the space or the infrastructure. Um, how cool would it be if, if, um, you know, they had that opportunity, there's a barn out there, um, because they, 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 they're, they don't have the land, right? Um, so it, it, there's just a lot of potential. We, nothing is written down, as Jenny said. This is, and there's lots, lots of ideas from all seven, seven of us. And um, I just, I would hope that kids, and you know, could could benefit um, yeah. from being out there. Or one idea, um, again, this is just an idea about you know Joey's fly fishing, who you know he could bring kids out there, and um, you know the the river is so stunning. Instead of trying to think about reinventing the wheel somewhere else. You know, um, one of our our, um, our big goals is to work uh, collaboratively and efficiently and not re- reinventing the wheel where um, building another $2.7 million building over here or, you know, another capital, you know, another another building over there or, you know, another commercial kitchen, kitchen here or there or wherever. Why can't we work together? Why can't we work together? Yeah. Or um, I'm on the rec board and, um, and so one hope is just even over the this winter maybe um we get kids to use that gym space um so between the october and november there are six thousand uses in all of the um scsd2 buildings six thousand different um you know clubs uh traveling teams you know using all those gym that gym space from the minute school's out until 10 or 11 o'clock at night so if we could 
the Scott Foundation could provide that gym space mm-hmm. and work again collaboratively with the, the school district and the rec department. How how great would that be? You know? Yep. Um, so there's there's lots of potential, um, lots and lots of work, but um, I think again we we've got the relationships, so we just need to um, you know work on those relationships. Yeah. And as you guys have been saying it, you know, those are all not written down. No. You know? <laughs> um, Some of the phone calls I've gotten are hilarious. I won't share. Yeah. Um, no. I think we could imagine. Yeah. Well, and like we've had, we had John Curlin in from Antelope Butte and he's hopeful that maybe they can use that as an AmeriCorps, you know, facility for them or their office or whatever. And so right there, you've got some skiing, another nonprofit, um, and they're all about education and about, you know, safety and education of skiing and outdoor sports. So um, there's a lot of different uses that we can see. And, and that's a big piece of property, 200 acres. That's a lot to do. And then not even to mention the building, you know, the facilities that are already there. So that's huge. So, um, no, that's fantastic. And I'm glad we can announce that on here. Um, anything else, anything or maybe some ongoing things that are going on or fa- uh, wrapping up right now? Well, um, if you ever go to the hub, um, you'll see uh, this beautiful piece of art outside the hub that has, it says, uh, Scott Legacy of Giving. Scott Family, there's a tree. And so one thing that um, Homer Mildred and the Scott Foundation have always given to is the hub, the senior center, and um, really proud of the work that they do. And so uh, they're always um, really looking, they're forward thinking about um, uh, the care of folks, uh, older folks. And I think it's really, um, again, a beautiful location right next to Whitney, Whitney Commons. Um, so we're, we, we support and partner with them. Um, and I, I think that's a need that's not ever going to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as our, our, our folks, our age here, they need, um, healthy, beautiful spaces to be. So that's, um, ongoing, um, we are hoping, hoping, hoping um, that over time there will be uh, bus shelters. So there's the the little goose, little goose Creek Transit, Transit is the only public transportation in Sheridan. Um, you know, and it's really hard if if you don't have a car. How do you get around? And so I'm really proud of the hub taking that on. And again, that's a public issue, and it's a private entity that is kind of you know, a nonprofit is, is, um, taking that on. And so it's really hard here in Sheridan this year, the summer, our record was 117. We hit in the summer and then it of course can be 40 below. So if you're waiting for the bus, so I, I, we had so much fun. Jenny and I rode the entire bus, uh, loop together. We had a meeting on the bus and people are like, what are you doing? We're like, we're having a meeting. (laughs) So we were maximizing our time and like riding that, that, that whole entire route to see, who, who we are serving. So I'm really hopeful and excited about, um, we're starting with six shelters that will be designed and put in, uh, the, on places where the, the bus the stop. stops are yeah. to, to keep people warm and also then cool. And, you know, like, uh, in the summers and in the winters. So you just think about the extremes, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm, I can't wait to see those. I can't wait. That's fantastic. I uh, never even thought of, I mean, you think about it, but I never thought about that's something that you guys could do. I drive up uh, Fifth Street from my house up to the high school for practice, and there's always a gentleman there at one of the stops. And uh, you don't really think about that until you just brought that up about like, yeah, like sometimes it's freaking cold, negative 30, and you're standing out there waiting for, or like you said, it was 117 this summer. You're standing out there just standing there. So 
That's fantastic. You didn't even think of that. Um, it's really well used. Their their bus yeah, system is yeah. really it's a needed entity mm-hmm. for our community. So it's great. Absolutely. Um, well, kind of on the same thread, um, you guys kind of have given me some big long term goals and some some uh, some hopes, right? Um, but why should people or why should organizations think of the Scott Foundation? for an idea or a project that they may have? Uh, Well, one thing I would note, um, so we talked about we're the Homer and Mildred Scott Foundation, and Homer and Mildred had five children, and two um, are deceased now, but uh, they all five will have their own foundations um, contributing to nonprofits and charitable causes that they believe in, and pretty much still in the same geographic region, maybe a little bit more in Montana here and there, and where um, individuals have moved away to live in other parts of the country. And along those lines in Sheridan, we have found great opportunity to collaborate with other philanthropists here in Sheridan. As you noted earlier, you've interviewed other individuals and foundations, and Sheridan is truly blessed and fortunate, again, with those people who've given back to the community. So terrific. I don't I don't want to name anyone because right. the list is long. Yes. And people who really support um, this community and people. And I would like to think we've gotten better um, and continue to get better over time in our relationships and, and working together, not duplicating, not competing in any way. So when Aaron mentioned being a convener, so I think when people have ideas and work that needs to be done or there's a challenge in the community that we need to address together, I think we're great teammates. We're great team members and we're well connected to both the nonprofits and the private entities that offer services in the community, but also those that um, have the opportunity to fund and invest in new initiatives or work that needs to be done in Sheridan and so, yeah, that's why you'd call us because yeah. we are really good team members. And Love I it. say this often and I'll say it again. I believe that philanthropy is a verb. It's, a, it's an action thing. It's not just sitting back and writing a check to your favorite darlings that you kind of do year after year. Um, I, I would say we're, as a foundation, we're super, we work, we use the word work. We are willing to do the work and to, to get out there and um, not just sit back and hope that, well, somebody else has, someone else has got that. Because it's complicated, mm-hmm. um, especially when you um, take on a bold new initiative or you're, you're trying to, to move the needle on something. It takes, it takes work. So I, I really believe that philanthropy is a verb. And, um, and I would say for, you know, generations, you know, trying to um, instill that as it's being passed down. Um, you know, Quinn Heineman, my son, and he's like, why are we doing this? I'm like, well, look at the benefit and mm-hmm. let's go see the benefit. Let's, let's, uh, one time, this is years ago, we laid sod at a, a Habitat for Humanity um, house and laying sod in 100 degree weather. And that sticks in their minds. Like we did it not for ourselves, but for the community. And so I, I really believe, I believe in that. And I would say, um, you know, we have a mantra, um, that to whom much is given, much is expected. So it's expected, like, let's, let's figure this out. Let's work. Let's do the good work. Let's do the homework. Um, and you know, I'm really, really proud to serve on the Homer Mildred Scott foundation because we are, I always say we're the tip of the spear and we send Jenny out there. And so often when we take a, a, a lead, people will, um, 
you know, because it has our name on it, will trail behind us in a good way, not in a bad way. But like, so I, I think it's really, really important to, to, to be a leader. Um, so I'm proud of that work. Awesome. Love that. Last question. Um, what are some current issues in the area that the, the foundation or you two see that um, maybe in the next couple of years we hope to take the lead on and, and to solve? I mean, the that NSI building, I think, is maybe a big little key in maybe a couple of those. I mean, that's a big property. But what are some things that you guys have been seeing that need to be addressed or needs that um, other organizations you guys have been um, the Scott Foundation has been talking with about, I guess, what are kind of some issues that we've been seeing in Sharon I, County? I'll throw one out that I'm not sure where the Scott Foundation fits, but I think it's really critical for our community and its mental health. Mm, uh, absolutely. The Center for Vital Community is currently doing a study circles project around mental health challenges in our community. We, the Scott Foundation, has funded some local mental health supports, some actual staff people in certain entities with, like, the Sheridan Health Clinic. And that's just going to be a critical thing, I think, currently and going forward to have a plan to think about what resources we need, um, what ways can we help support um, our community moving forward. And so I'm really excited to see what the conversations um, outcomes are from the Center for Vital Community. They've done work over the last, I think, almost a month they've been meeting um, with their program. And it's a challenge, um, but something we all need to, I think, be aware of. And we need to be at the table to help keep our community healthy. And I would say... Um, uh and I don't know where the Scott Foundation fits in this, but all foundations, where can we um, work together across the state for advocacy? So we we can't lobby, obviously, but I think it's important to, to, to dovetail with our elected officials because um, private dollars, you know, there's only so much of that. And so I guess I see that as a statewide initiative. Um, we we are really good friends with the Wyoming Community Foundation folks, the the um, and and other foundations across the state. So, so it's again. I mentioned, for example, the the, the bus route, right? Um, so, what does that look like about public transportation with the city, with the county, with the state? Um, how do we um, work with everybody who goes down to Cheyenne? They were in special session, so that at, that all of the stuff that we're working so hard here on they're hearing this and I don't know what that looks like. Right. I do think foundations and nonprofits um, have need to have a seat at that table. I just don't know what that looks like and how we can not lobby, but partner. And um, so that I, I think about that a lot mm. because we're working so hard and I know they are as well. I just would, would like there to be a real open door um, so that we could, we could work together and not just try to legislate around these issues, you know, like trying to run, run around them. Like th there, there are issues that are facing all of us. You'll, you'll, you'll hear, excuse me, about housing, right? Workforce, attainable, transitional housing. And that's a statewide issue. Mm -hmm. um, that's a, that's a huge statewide issue. And so how do we, how do we move the needle on that? So that's, that's a big, just a big question mark for me. Right. Absolutely. Well, and I think mental health falls into that too. I don't, you know, Sheridan's probably not the only one facing mental health challenges and transportation, public transportation, housing. That's an interesting thought. I like that. Um, well, awesome. Um, I will say, Jenny, I might, you know, my wife and I know some other ladies that deal with mental health and I think that's a, you're hitting it on the head. I think that's something that 
needs to be addressed in rural America. I think that's a hard thing to get, and I will hope to see if the Scott Foundation can solve that problem or share it in general. Um, <laughs> anything else that I missed you to? Anything you two want to say on behalf of the Scott Foundation or the family or... I, this is just a wonderful opportunity, and, and I hope, um, I guess my hope would be that we sparked some conversation mm -hmm. for, for you and for others who are listening and, and um, being part of your podcast, and that this will just, I love the idea of a ripple effect. So yes. I hope this creates more ideas and energy and can ripple out from, from what we're yeah. doing today. Love it. Yeah, no, that's that's all, what we're all about, and send Jenny and Aaron a lot of ideas about that NSI property. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe walk through it first with somebody and then send it to them. Um, what's the best way to reach the Homer and Mildred Scott Foundation? Reach out to Jenny. Sure. Can probably just email. It's pretty pretty straightforward. Jenny.craft at scottfoundation.org. Wonderful. Is that probably the best way you'd like yeah. everything filtered through? Yeah. Their office is on Main Street if you wanted to pop in, but email sounds best to get a hold of Jenny. Um, and then you probably can find Aaron at the school board meetings or anything else. <laughs> yes. so, um, well, again, Jenny and Aaron, thanks for coming by, and we'll catch everyone next time. Thank you thanks. so much. This episode of Go Be Wyoming is brought to you by Fly Sheridan. Save time, fly local, fly Sheridan. Sheridan County is becoming one of the busiest airports in the region. Book your direct flight to Denver today via united.com. Oh, 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 oh,